everybody, and welcome to Mixed Reviews Podcast, a racially diverse podcast uh, featuring uh, my lovely, lovely partner in crime, Sasha, and myself, Paige. But you can call me whatever you want. Creature. We, <laughs> we are talking about a film that is very near and dear to my heart because it was one of those VHSs that I had that I watched on repeat, and I think it still holds up today. Um, if you're a big Mixed Reviews fan, we did already mention this movie in a previous episode because we we did a yeah because we did an episode and it's a movie that's pretty much this movie but for kids what movie was that remember we did hounded oh yeah we kept saying hounded reminds (laughs) good lord this is gonna be it's gonna be an episode it's been a while guys we're a little rusty we're a little rusty um we are talking about the movie mouse hunt um starring nathan lane lee evans a surprise guest appearance from christopher walken <laughs> yeah i was not prepared for that i needed way more way more like prepping to, to come into christopher walken fighting a mouse um, uh directed by gore verbinski of all people i think this was his first film um gore verbinski's uh with what else a- did he do- has uh, he done? He did. Uh, so, a cure for wellness is his most recent film, but he also did. Oh. Rank- yeah, he did Rango, which is actually very good. And okay. He, he did the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I don't. I think he did all of them, but I only know for a fact it was the first one. Okay, cool. Right on. So Gorver Verbinski is definitely a person you've seen work from, but probably just don't know the name. And we have definitely. once again a phenomenal score by Alan Silvestri. Which has no reason being as good as it is. I was about to say this because, like, we were talking about how Van Helsing's score has no business being as good as it is. But like, Van Helsing's a fantasy. Like, you would imagine it having an epic score. What in the fuck is it doing in this? What? <laughs> this gets like this is up there with Requiem for like one of the most out of place it's, scores. It's so good. Um, I personally know this song on the piano. <laughs> I love this song. Of course you do. I love the theme so much. I I would like to take a moment to talk about the theme because never have I heard a theme, even if you were, and this is very like Tom and Jerry-esque, like it's just the whole 90 minutes, it's a short, it's a short piece, is a big old homage to Tom and Jerry. And the score especially reflects that because all the sound effects are used with like trombones and piano and like a tuba. There's a lot of tuba in this. Tuba. Yes. But it perfect, whenever I listen to it, even if you had no idea what type of movie this came from or what the score was about, I think everyone unanimously would picture picture a mouse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is fantastic. It is, it is. It almost like meta leads us because it's like we affiliate that with a mouse, not for any particular reason other than it has already been affiliated with a mouse in pop culture. Yes, yes, 100%. For some reason, my audio is like not doing a lot of waves and it was making me nervous, but am oh. I just talking quietly? That would be a first. Um, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised because sometimes i'll edit you and i'll be like Paige, speak the fuck up (laughs) you can never tell me that in person though because i know i never that's why i never will (laughs) it's not even that you're speaking quietly most of the time you'll just like lean away from your mic and start like talking in a different direction and i'm like this way this way (laughs) i forget what we're doing i do that in real life too (laughs) i've had many conversations just fully backwards so it's fine what are you what are you looking at there was a, I think it was a motorcycle, but it sounded like a dinosaur <laughs> roaring. <laughs> and I was very confused. Oh. I haven't heard that sound around here yet. <laughs> 
I hear a lot of sounds on Burbank Boulevard, but that one, that one's new. The joys of living in California and what you might experience. Honestly. So, Sasha, I'm curious. Uh, being this, the first take you've ever had with this movie, I want you to summarize what you think the premise is. So, <laughs> well, it all starts with this fucking string factory, right? <laughs> Their crazy old dad, who is fucking nuts. The one scene that their dad is alive in, I I need to just like save it and put it on repeat forever. And I don't know if I should be laughing at it is the problem because I don't know if that old man means to sound so decrepit and insane, but he gives this delivery that is like half dead and then like half mentally disabled. And it's just pure comedic gold. Um, so he dies in a in a great. This is the second time I'm gonna call Van Helsing because it's like the reverse uh, gravekeeper, the grave digger death in Van Helsing where he falls into the grave. This is the opposite where he like spring loads out of the coffin <laughs> and into a sewer. <laughs> this is the opening shot of this movie. He's a, their old dead dad. They're carrying him down the steps. So he dies, Arguing and he leaves a them color. a house and his string factory, right? Yep. And he's like, I want you to run it together! <laughs> and then the, and just they're like, sure. Out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Timon and his brother are like, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way. There's no way I could watch this movie and hear anyone other than Timon. So he's just a meerkat the whole time I'm watching this movie. And it makes it even better. But yeah, so he dies. He leaves out in the factory in the house, right? And they realize the house is like a, a missing piece from like, is it like an artist or something? Like a very famous architect. Yeah. Um, so they realize that the, the house has a boatload of money. So they're trying to sell it. Meanwhile, Timon's restaurant, like the guy eats the cockroach, like nobody wants to go to his restaurant. So it's like closed down. And he thoroughly believes there's no wealth in the, the string factory. But the other brother's like, I know a secret. I could sell the string factory, but I won't. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then while they're, uh, and then they're trying to sell this house and like bid it up for auction so they can make a bunch of money off of it. Mm -hmm. And isn't that where the mouse comes in and the mouse just kind of fucks up everything in the house to the point where they just like can't sell it. <laughs> that's, that's basically the premise of this movie. We're missing a few key driving factors that make no difference. <laughs> oh, okay. So, That's what that makes some very key driving factors then. <laughs> Nathan Lane is now bankrupt because his restaurant went under. Um, and he has, like, no house, nothing. He, he can't live anywhere. And his brother, uh, his wife kicked him out. And, of course, everything is under uh, his brother's wife's name. So he can't live there. He also has no money. So they have <laughs> to hole up together in this house that they were given um, in the will of their father and try to turn a profit when they have no money or anything. And this mouse is fucking up everything. <laughs> but there's a couple, there's, okay, there's a, this whole movie is a giant, like, plot hole mess. Like, you're not here to oh, watch. Oh, this movie is, like, I would solidly say that if this movie were any more camp, it would be unwatchable. <laughs> like, it is, it's so close to being unwatchably camp, but it doesn't go there quite yet, so you can still watch it and have a good time. But you have to suspend your disbelief so far. Yes. For the whole 90 minutes. Yes. <laughs> this this might as well be the birdcage, like, with the level of camp and ridiculous plot that it is. Which, <laughs> funny enough, we do have Nathan Lane in it. 
upon my sixth rewatching this week of this movie, I did come to a realization that this movie would not work if we did not have Nathan Lane and Lee Evans as the stars. If it oh, absolutely not. Anybody but those two giving exactly the performance this this script needed. Yeah. It would not work. But they know they're like, oh, we're in a Three Stooges movie. Okay. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking too. And and I'm obviously the Three Stooges is a bit dated for people our age, so it's not super funny and that kind of slapstick humor doesn't really land with our generation as much. Yes. But Watching this, I I thought it was re- I was I was almost like upset at how much I was laughing at it because I'd be I'd like just start like mindlessly laughing and be like why the fuck it's not that funny. <laughs> it's because I think Lee Evans does a good job. He does a good job uh, going toe to toe with Nathan Lane, but it is mainly Nathan Lane making everybody cry because the man just has natural charisma. There's no in his voice too. His voice is so funny. His voice was made for like comedy. There's there's a line that he says where he's like, not even Nostradamus saw this coming. <laughs> that's on that's on my list. I wrote a list of quotes that I found were funny. They, I I don't know if they gave Nathan Lane like leeway to improv because he throws. They had, some... they had to. The way it just like flawlessly like rolls off of his tongue. Yeah. It, it seems like it's one of those because like those movies where they have like bloopers at the end of people like kind of just going through multiple different lines and it's like the same scene but they're throwing different lines and you get to like hear yeah. i imagine it was something like that where he was just going through like this over and over and over again and he's like it's hitler with a tail <laughs> Every, uh nathan lane is like the the um wordy comedy he's the one like actually delivering the jokes lee evans does a really good job doing like the action comedy he's very dramatic very good reactionary uh comedy yes <laughs> fantastic at it there's a point where for, i don't know the reason i've watched this movie six times this week i have no idea why he goes to the string factory and just like walks around and then at one point he finds a string and puts it into the string machine to watch it do only come to find out it's his entire clothing like a piece of his <laughs> string came off of his clothes and he's like oh i wonder how this works and he puts it in and then like you see five minutes of the the string factory slowly unraveling this man it's almost like a horror scene (laughs) (laughs) there are some like weirdly ghoulish imagery in this movie that's like almost scary (laughs) there's a shot where he's like strung up in the factory and he's just like (laughs) that's also like like not forget that the factory like definitely looks like a gloomy like <laughs> 19 fucking 17 like sweatshop factory this whole movie is so gloomy and then it's just it's it's countered with this over-the-top comedy fun yeah like it almost feels like it almost feels like dry humor but it's so campy and over the top it's not <laughs> But because everything else is just so standard and straightforward and like realistic, yeah. it's it's such a weird it's such a weird balance between the two. You you have um, such, you do you have such like a gloomy plot, but then all the characters are where all like the life is. Like there's not a single yeah. character in here that's flat. Even even like the dude standing in the middle of a house holding the plans for the house, going, "It's the missing Larue." <laughs> that that seems so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> <gasps> dude has one the LaRue! The LaRue! The missing LaRue! And it goes on, that, that clip goes on for just a hair too long. But it, it, I 
love the I want the audio file of him just screaming the missing LaRue. It's almost sing song. I want to write a song with just that line on loop. It's so beautiful. With this like Indiana Jones-esque boiled up boiled up map. That they find. So they they go into this house. They just need a place to sleep because not the, both of them are homeless. Of which there's a passing joke about pointing at homeless people, calling them pathetic, even though they're homeless themselves. <laughs> and then they have a beautiful conversation in front of a Christmas uh, carolers singing. And then they all stand and look, but I digress. And then they go and sleep in the old house. And it's like musty and gross and terrible. And then they find like a jack-in-the-box that spooks them awake. And then they shove Nathan Lane's head through the roof, of which they find the blueprints just in in the walls of the house. Nice. It is there. It makes no sense. That's some Scooby-Doo shit. It's all some Scooby-Doo shit. <laughs> this whole movie might as well be a Scooby-Doo movie. The mouse, he was actually the mayor. <laughs> It was the it was the rich pompous dude that offers them ten million dollars yeah. and screams vegetarian snack. <laughs> I love that guy. Vegetarian snack. <laughs> why do you why are you so infatuated with movies where the bad guys are just obese people constantly eating? <laughs> I love them. It's so filthy. It's so beautiful. He's not even the bad guy. He just wants the house. Yeah, he, he's like the closest to a bad guy you're going to get in this movie. Yeah, this movie really and has... And Ernie. You got to love greedy characters named Ernie. Ernie. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what he wants to do. <laughs> Ernie is... About, it's very much like the mob boss and his like dumb assistant. That's the two yeah. brothers. Were... One of my one of the, the quotes I wrote down was when they're, they're, they're like he knocks something over and he's like, Ernie, that was a quarter. <laughs> he just sounds so hopeless. <laughs> I I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I do want to take a whole moment to talk about this scene. But there's a moment where he's running through the house with the gun and he's like shooting at it and, and he shoots the piano. And Lars is just like, the piano! Ernie, you shot the piano! <laughs> and you just see like Lars holding his head like, oh my god. I think it's, uh, the, the, the two characters almost seem like they're in a different world than the rest of the universe, which is weird because yeah. the rest of the universe is wacky in, it, in and of itself. I feel like but every- it's almost like coherent wackiness where the two brothers are like somehow like put off <laughs> from the rest of the hijinks when they're them themselves are also very strange. <laughs> It's very, it feels like every, I'll, I'll do you one up. It feels like every character lives in their own separate universe. Everybody Definitely. is not from the same one. I, I want to live in Christopher Walken's universe. Oh my God. That should is we, the only universe. Should we take a moment to talk about when Christopher Walken comes in? Well, I don't think we've even gotten up to his, his part yet. We can go in. So basically this mouse, it was actually funny because before I started watching this movie, I was like, oh, Paige in this movie was a lot like uh, hounded. I wonder what the animal is that they're going to be fighting against in Mouse Hunt is. I actually I actually asked myself that question you for half a second. You were serious? Yeah, for like half a second, I seriously had to ask myself, oh, I wonder what they're going to be fighting against in Mouse Hunt. I wonder what the titular animal is going to be in Mouse Hunt. <laughs> I was high, but <laughs> that's no excuse. That's still no excuse. Um, but yeah, so this mouse is like just kind of fucking shit up. So this, they call this- in the boy Caesar, Christopher Walken. Caesar, we should take one moment why Christopher Walken is the last ditch effort. So the house, the house, or the mouse is fucking everything up. 
Uh, they're doing everything. They like fall tra they fall into traps. They roll around in like a thousand mouse traps at one point. All practical. They really slapped mouse traps on yeah. these people. Um, they then go to get a cat. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because today, on my sixth time watching it, I went looking for memorabilia from this movie. <gasps> is the cat puppet available? The cat head just sold for three thousand dollars. That's actually not that bad. I would have bought it. I would have one hundred percent bought that. Cat. You would You definitely would have. <laughs> it would have fit that's... perfectly. My friend found it because they were bored watching the movie with me, and they're like, "Oh, the cat heads for sale!" And I was like, oh, "How much?" And I like started going through my bank account, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, no, how sorry, can I budget just... to afford the cat head?" It just it just sold for three thousand dollars. I'm like, "Damn it!" Um, so they get this cat, uh, which is probably about as Tom and Jerry as it gets, to the point where the piano keys lift off the piano and all that jazz. Love that though. But the mouse the mouse kills the cat. But we gotta rewind real quick because when they go to pick up this cat, they go to the spookiest animal shelter you've ever seen. It literally looks like Auschwitz. Yeah. <laughs> there is and even- the guy there is just like this like weird stone-faced, like clammy looking gross motherfucker. Are you ready for this? Yes. Guess who plays that guy? Oh no, who? Pumba. Pumba, oh shit. <laughs> That's the guy who plays Pumba. That's funny. Uh, so we have Timon and Puma in the same room, and they're they're all wearing hazmat suits, and they go to pick up the cat, and they and they pick the most like dangerous evil one to kill this thing. They're like hopefully one with mental like mental <laughs> issues. <laughs> A real mean pussy is what. A real saying. mean pussy. And uh, uh, Pumba Pumba said the guy who plays Pumba says, "Oh, thank God! I was worried I would have to gas him again." <laughs> again. Goes, again. <laughs> Catzilla. Catzilla. Uh, so the mouse, naturally being the hero of the story, kills the cat. It's implied. I'm convinced that cat is dead. Yeah. So they hire in an exterminator, which has the best opening shot of just the roach going. It's very Men in Black-esque. Like, it reminds <laughs> me of Edgar the Bug. <laughs> um, and it pans down with just, like, this string orchestra going. And then they open the door, and Christopher Walken walks in back first so you don't see his face and then he turns around and it does a zoom in and it's just <laughs> Christopher Walken being way too serious for this movie <laughs> isn't that just kind of his aesthetic though just like way too serious I think he thought he was in like Saving Private Ryan or something because his delivery of everything it's it- so spot on though <laughs> it's it's perfect I think I wrote down one of his his quotes I don't know, probably. Oh, when he's like, uh, uh, it's not listening anymore. Because <laughs> they change, he comes in, he starts talking about plans about how he's gonna like take down the mouse and like what he's gonna do. And then he like, he like puts his hand up to them like he's quieting them and then starts talking about asbestos. <laughs> and it's, it's implied that he's doing it because the mouse is clearly listening to them. So they all have to pretend that it's not a mouse killer. And all three of them just go along with this. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> as soon as the Nathan Lane and the other guy are going in, he turns to them. He's like, "What are you guys doing?" And they're like, "They're like playing along." Like, so the mouse. He's like, "They're not. It's not listening anymore." <laughs> you fucking idiots. <laughs> and the whole time, he he treats the entire house like like um, a murder a murder scene. <laughs> like he <laughs> he like scans the floor. 
<laughs> and like there's a point where he's like looking at rat droppings to like he tastes creature. them he's like like he takes tweezers and is like looking at little samples like hmm a slight calcium deficiency yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes into this i need to pull this monologue this is the monologue i need to pull when he starts going in about like how normal people can't hunt, hunt mice because they can't get into the head of a mouse and once you think like a mouse you can predict its movements you can see where it's gonna go <laughs> And then you could trap it. You could beat it. <laughs> I need a more mundane job like that. I need something like mouse hunting and trapping. So I can just be like that and just be crazy intense about my job. <laughs> he, he's, he's the work ethic we all strive to be. Like he never stops being an exterminator, I don't think. What? I don't think he ever stops being an exterminator. Like no. That Christopher, like Caesar, no. Like I think he goes home... And just, he's hunting for bugs, still <laughs> scanning his entire perimeter, making sure, seeing what kind of creepy crawlies are coming onto his property. He doesn't sleep. All he does <laughs> is just make plans about mice and stuff. <laughs> you just got a stethoscope to the wall. He's like, termite? Carpenter in. Carpenter in. Whoa. Is it your wig downstairs? Once you think like an earwig, you can predict their movements. <laughs> he has the same monologue for everything he exterminates, every single one. Well, when they, when they, um, I guess we could, we could, it's kind of a spoiler, but the mouse somehow manages to beat Caesar too. Oh, in the best way. Christopher <laughs> Walken's reaction once he realizes what's happening is just priceless. <laughs> so what happens is he's, he has a whole, what is it? It's like a scope. It's like a thing they use for colonoscopies, but he's using yeah. it. To, like, fish through the walls and the floor of the house to find this mouse. And it's, like, a, a camera tied to, like, a cable wire. And it's hooked to his car. Um, right? <laughs> so everything fishes from that extermination van. And the mouse, of course, gets, gets it, hooks it around Caesar, goes out to the van where the jack is. And you just see Caesar start to, like, pull. And it's not pulling anymore. And he's like, what the heck is going on? And he starts seeing the front of his car and the camera. Of which he says in the tape recorder, like, oh, damn, plasma's broken again because, like, the screen goes fuzzy. <laughs> and he goes up to the window, sees the car, sees the mouse, and then flicks his little, like, monocle things that he has. He has this whole headset piece <laughs> with monocle eyeglasses that zoom in, like, 400 times so he can see every little nook and cranky. I'm surprised he doesn't have night vision on those. I, I think he does. He just never uses it. To have his own movie. <laughs> he does. And he goes up to the window, he zooms in, gets a nice close-up shot, of which I really like the editing of everything clicking closer and closer and closer, until he sees the mouse, and he's like, oh! And then the mouse goes forward to press the jack, and you just, like, Christopher Walken's just like, oh! <laughs> and then you hear him say, oh, nuts! And gets ripped through the entire house in the longest, like, shot. It lasts forever. <laughs> Of him just getting ripped through the floorboards, down the stairs. I, and you and know I it's probably really Christopher Walken. Is it really? It <laughs> probably. Like it. I wouldn't be surprised. And he's screaming the whole time. And he finally gets uh, fished up to his car, laid there. He's beaten to shit. Like, he literally looks like he went through war. And the mouse props down on his forehead, poops on his face, and leaves. <laughs> And um, when the authorities pull him out of this house, the man, the man is absolutely just insane. 
His mind is shattered. He is traumatized by it beyond all measure of like comprehension, and he is just basically a feral mouse Did in you, a man's body. Yeah, he's like squeaking at the end. Yeah. Did you like, hear? It's kind of a throwaway line, but it's a nice little detail. They're like, oh, "What happened?" They're like, "We don't know. We found him in a trunk in the attic, and he, the mouse put him in a trunk for God knows how long in the dark." And that's um, and that's how the original owner of the house died. What? Do you no. remember that line at the beginning of the movie? No, really? Yeah, that's how the dad gets the house. They're like, they found the last owner was found dead in a trunk in the attic. It was the mouse the whole time? Yeah, the mouse is the one who's been killing people in the house. Oh my god. And I bet he only liked the old man because he had string. That's probably it. That's probably it. But yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to do more with that plot point since they did bring it up twice, I guess. And then, yeah, it never... It never came back around. I this whole movie is just kind of like s brief setups and then immediately getting rid of them. Like yeah, they set th it up this is... and then Sorry, they yeah. do the payoff right yeah. right immediately. Like the jacuzzi. You see them bring up the jacuzzi. <laughs> it's a bathtub. It's a jacuzzi bathtub. A line only Nathan Lane could say. Exactly. <laughs> Luxury is timeless. <laughs> They 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 spend the last of the money they owe to the bank on a jacuzzi tub for the house as part of the renovation. So then the bank tries to foreclose on them. But you see like a very extended shot of them bringing in the jacuzzi only so they can use it as a slapstick gag at the climax where they launch Ernie. Uh, no, is it Ernie or Lars? Someone goes riding down the stairs in the jacuzzi hot tub into the fucking lake with the <laughs> cardboard it's, ladies it's, um, still in it's, it. It's it's Ernie. It's Ernie. With it's the Ernie, because I remember Lars comes running out of the house because, like, the house is about to, like, explode or something. And he runs out and just sees Ernie walking in and he's like, wait, what the fuck? Oh, that's right. That's, that's when we And then they have that entire, that entire conversation that's just mumbles. <laughs> Which is a conversation That's, that's literally experience. you and me when we drop something off of the ladder at Bed Bath & Beyond and it breaks. <laughs> and then we clock out and leave. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, I have COVID. I don't COVID cut that. COVID-19. I don't have COVID. Is it COVID-21? 21? We'll never get there. It's COVID-Omicron now. But... After Caesar leaves, I forget how we get to this point, but they're 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 like fighting about something, saying that they don't have any money, and they're honestly having a very dramatic moment. Like it's a lot of like serious acting happening. The two of these brothers fighting together in the house, um, and then they see the mouse, and s like that's when Ernie gets launched into the jacuzzi tub and then comes back in all wet, and they have that mumble conversation, and it, I, I always paint Nathan Lane as like a comedic silly actor. But he can really pull it up whenever he needs to because <laughs> there is a point where Ernie has a mental breakdown. Like, just goes absolutely insane <laughs> and pulls a gun off a shelf. And the look in Nathan Lane's eyes is a little too real for this Yeah, movie. It's, it's terror. <laughs> it made me think that they actually struck, stuck these guys in a house <laughs> and just tormented them. <laughs> Nathan Lane goes big time mad, not silly mad. Like I was, yeah. I remember watching this movie as a kid. I, I, you know how you forget things as a kid, even though you know. I, every time I would watch it, I would think he was actually gonna shoot Lars. But, oh, because of the look in his eyes. But he goes 
running around um, with the gun, and every line that comes out of his mouth is just walking the line of anger, turning into comedy. Because yeah. everything he says is like scream, shouty, mad, but it is hysterical. There's a line where he's like, I'm going to blow this dirty little mouse from here to kingdom come! And he just <laughs> like cocks the gun. <laughs> and it's fucking brilliant. I love the climax of this movie so much to the point where every single time I watch this film, I watch that climax with the gun twice. Damn. I can't get over every single line that gets said. It's a good scene. I, I, um, there was the other good scene where they're like, um, this is where it really felt like a parallel to Hounded, where they kind of have that, like, heart-to-heart moment. And oh, yeah. they're, like, going through the whole, like, you know, you didn't, you guys didn't accept me because I wasn't into string. <laughs> I wanted to cook. <laughs> I made him my beautiful rack of lamb, and the only thing he noticed was the string I used to tie it with. <laughs> it's like, to be fair, if your father is that simple, pleasing him should be pretty easy. <laughs> like, it can't be that hard. <laughs> Ernie wanted acknowledgement for his oh there's a line that Nathan Lane says to his brother you have no wife you have no home you have no discernible talents (laughs) you're a failure you don't think I had dreams of my own (laughs) Nathan Lane wanted to be noticed for his discernible talents like cooking fair understandable um did you like the incorporation should we talk more about the plot or should we talk about more of the specifics no it's fine we can talk about the plot the plot. So after after they get done with the whole beautiful climax, which I highly recommend you find and just watch, even if you don't want to watch this movie because it's amazing, please put Nathan Lane in more movies. I need his shit archived. I can't have him doing stage my whole life. I can't pay to see his shows every single time. <laughs> I got Swing Boat, the producers, and this. I need more. <laughs> so they they accidentally kill the mouse in a fight by throwing an orange at it. Uh, Lars goes to huck an orange at Ernie, Ernie dodges, and they hit the mouse dead in the face. And the <laughs> mouse is unconscious, and they go to try to kill it. And, you know, they hold a shovel, and they're like, we have to kill it, we have to, and they can't, because it's a cute little mouse. Like, not even Satan It's also not sportsmanlike, as they mentioned, to yes, kill him while he's down. So instead, they ship him to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> they put him in a box, and they ship him to Cuba. Now, naturally... This is the mouse that took down Caesar the Exterminator, so he's not going to go down long. So he, he climbs his way out of the box, and of course he's not gone. So they then think that the mouse is in Cuba, out of their hair. So they hold an auction for, for the house, of which you can only imagine goes horribly awry. So they have this auction. The mouse shows up. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the last act. I don't like the auction. I I mean it's the most it's the most like how do we end this movie? Let's just destroy the set. Yes. It's a very so, uh classic like 90s comedy move. Yes. It's just like okay, let's just destroy the set. Sick. And go. <laughs> and, and I tend to tune out the last act of this movie every single time I watch it no matter how hard I try. Uh the mouse shows up. I forget when they notice him or when it's happening. But during the auction, it then turns into what I think is the tilting point into full nutso camp, where it's no longer funny. And it's just Ernie and Lars, like, screaming and telling the auctioneer to keep going with the auction. No oh, what. yeah, yeah, that drags on for a bit too long. Yes. So there's a point where they're, like, 
uh, at one point, Nathan Lane reaches his hand down Lars's pants to get the mouse out, and there's another point. There's a lot of fondling happening at the in the last act. They bring these two like Belgium like hair models that they oh, meet yeah. on the street. Olga, <laughs> Olga, 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 and uh, Ingrid. The other one's name is Ingrid. Oh, that's right. Which is funny because uh, in Ingrid Goes West, he calls her Olga, like <laughs> when he's not calling, like to purposely not call her by her name. That's funny. So. They, at one point, the mouse goes down one of the hair model's shirts, and Lars just, like, reaches his hand down her shirt to do that and, like, get the mouse. And she's just like, ooh, ooh, and it becomes <laughs> very silly. And then Nathan Lane and the other hair model is, like, looking, so the other hair model, like, takes Nathan Lane's hand, which I find very funny because Nathan Lane is very gay, um, <laughs> and puts Nathan Lane's hand there, and he's just like, I mean, I guess, sure. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, fondles her. It's very silly. And then at one point... Ernie gets the bright idea to flood the mouse out, which this this is where you really have to suspend disbelief because they spent all this money renovating the house, destroying it, and then putting it back together. They then just shove a garden hose into the walls of the house and turn everything to high blast. And it, as you can imagine, floods the entire house and yeah. all the walls come crashing down and everything's a mess. They can't sell the house. I don't even think they won the auction. So then they go and they're back to square one. They go and camp in the factory, the only other thing they owned. And the mouse goes there too, because the mouse now has no home and needs another thing to destroy. So why not move into the string factory? And then at some point, uh, the uh, uh, ball of cheese gets put into the string factory, which makes no sense. How that works. It's a mouse page. There's just cheese following him around. Haven't you ever seen a mouse film? You fool. <laughs> but the factory part. That's not how cheese <laughs> works. Don't tell me how mouse magic works. <laughs> Keep going. So they, the mouse feeds cheese into the string factory machine and it makes string, string cheese. cheese. I do love that resolution though. It is a very wholesome ending. I love it. Then the mouse is so cute. Mm-hmm. And then Even you have he's Nathan- half fake. <laughs> and then we get the marriage of both worlds. Nathan Lane gets to do his cooking thing with the string, and Lars gets to keep his dream and fetish of loving string as well. Both married together, and they have a new spokesperson, the mouse. The mouse. <laughs> this is actually the prequel to Ratatouille. My friend said that. Yeah, I, I imagine most people them. probably would. I never, I would have never put that together that this is the prequel to Ratatouille, but it very much is. This is this movie is also very Disney for not being a Disney movie because this is very much not for kids. It, it's not. It's pretty. The language is pretty explicit, and it covers some pretty, you know, I don't know. There's some kind of uh, mature themes, I guess, in it. Yes. Uh, for a fun fact about me, um, in sixth grade, uh, we would often spend recess inside for an hour because it was too cold in Michigan. And they would allow us to bring VHSs in. You know, kid-friendly films. You Guess what this. movie? I, I brought this. I brought this. And when we got to the fondling boob part, the teacher ejected the VHS, handed it back to me, and my father received a phone call saying that I was no longer to, allowed to bring movies in. That is so funny. Ever again. That is so funny. I thought it was kid appropriate. I watched it at nine. I figured we could it's, all watch it. It does seem, especially if you're a kid, it does seem, because it's, like you said, it's so slapstick and it's so campy and it's so over the top. It definitely feels like yeah, like a kid's movie. But it's not. It's fun for the whole family because I, as a kid, I didn't notice the adult themes. 
But then watching it later, I noticed all the fun things, like it's Hitler with a tail, Nostradamus, didn't see this coming, basically anything that comes out of Nathan Lane's mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's all pretty, uh, and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, because of his, his voice and his presence and like the way people react to it, you know instinctively to laugh anyway, even if you're not really paying attention to the things he's saying. Yeah. So I feel like that that's also probably the thing that makes it dangerous. Yeah. Because it's like, this is funny no matter what, but it's like, uh, maybe some people shouldn't be watching it, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> Nathan Lane, I feel like, is a safe bet for any Hollywood caster. Like, if you need a funny guy, cast Nathan Lane. You will, it'll Get be me my Gouda. You get me my, get me my Gouda. <laughs> and, and I'm going to use the, that one forever. I love the back and forth where they're arguing and they're like, he's, uh, Lars is like, I thought you said um, mice like cheese, not in the morning. They need fruit for energy. <laughs> when he's like getting the fruit fuck. for energy. <laughs> they need fruit for energy. He's just so serious about it. <laughs> like, Mr. Oh. Schultz, please lie still. You've just been hit by a bus. <laughs> I love it when he's like, um, are these your family? And the hair the girl, who like, Yeah, Olga and Ingrid are there. And they're like, yes, we're her sisters. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know like, them. I don't even have any sisters. And then pops in Lars dressed in drag. In drag. And he's like, Ernie, I came as soon as I could. <laughs> and he's like, why are you wearing a pink overcoat? <laughs> Which, why is he wearing the hat? I because April gave him the $1,200. <laughs> They made love like he'd only ever seen in animal documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's funny. I'm so happy you found you found uh, it as funny as I do. I feel like this is one of those movies. I don't I don't know how you don't find it funny. There's just so much happening. There's just so many kinds of humor in this movie. It's something for everybody. Somebody's gonna laugh at some part of it. I watch this movie probably twice a year. It's like my comfort film. I'll just put it on. Uh, and my friend Mike comes over a lot, and he unfortunately is here every single time I watch it, and he doesn't laugh. He thinks there's something wrong with me every time Did I Mike watch it. Mike know how to laugh. <laughs> I think I've only ever heard him, like, give a singular chuckle. <laughs> His, like, white guy laughing. Yeah. Like <laughs> Where it's, like, half a <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he, I was watching it again for this podcast. He's like, how many times have you seen this movie? I'm like, including my childhood? He's like, yeah, let's start there. I'm like, probably 80 times. 80 I've seen times. this movie so many times. Jesus. I mean, this is one of those, this is definitely one of those movies that I feel like you could, especially as a kid, watch yeah. a lot. There's a lot, because like I said, there's a lot going on. And it's it's very spectacly. So one thing going back at, through it as an adult, which I do want to touch on to, is uh, a lot of the practical stunt work that is happening. So much. It's one of those things, like um, like I said, when I was making the joke about, like, what do you do with sets in, like, 90s slapsticks? But yeah. it's like, that was something really cool that we don't do nearly as much anymore. For yeah, obvious reasons. Play, it know. makes sense why we tried not to destroy sets as much as we did. But, yeah. um this I liked I liked getting that kind of like throwback here and seeing the actual practical effects and stunts and stuff. And yeah. I mean, even though the puppets are like super super camp and cheesy, like just seeing like the practical effects and the puppets were fun. I thought the mouse puppet was actually really good. Mouse puppet was okay. The cat, the cat, puppet, cat I mean, puppet is a thing of nightmares. But like, I think it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be like a gremlin almost. Yeah. But the the mouse puppet I found quite nice and it was used sparingly along with CG. Um, so there's there's 
CG splashed in because, of course, they have to. They can't have a mouse do everything. Yeah. A lot of it is a real mouse. That mouse is intelligent. He's a good boy. Yeah, he's a very good boy. A lot of it is a real mouse. And one thing I want to talk to you about, because I'm curious how they pulled this off. I have my theory, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. There's one point where they're replacing the um, baseboards, and they're doing it with a nail gun. And the mouse is running behind the wall from the nail guns. The nail's going into the wall. Do you remember this shot? Yes. For most of that shot, that is a real mouse running away from the nail gun. Well, the nails are fake. You think the nails are fake? My thought was it was a perspective trick where they had the mouse running much further ahead and then just used very large nails to make them look closer than they were. They could do that too, yeah. I I found that shot awesome. And then there's a point where it switches to CG when like it gets cornered. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then they put the puppet in. Um, but there's a good splicing of all those three elements. You have the real mouse, the puppet, and then CG when they have to have the mouse do something crazy. Yeah. And it all, it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's seamless, but I, like we always say, it, I, it's better to do it this way. Than yeah. to not do it at all or to have it. If it would have all been CGI, I would have been like, I kind of would have gotten sick of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and then like if it had all been a puppet, it would have been, I would have had to suspend my disbelief a little too long. Yeah, it'd be yeah. gremlins basically. But it'd be like gremlins with actual animals, which doesn't work because I know what a cat and a mouse are supposed to look like. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, I, I also like, I think that that use of a CGI cat and a, a puppet cat worked for Catzilla <laughs> because it was Catzilla. It wasn't supposed to be like an actual cat. Yeah. It, most of the cat is puppet, but when they're like doing the faraway shots with it. And the run around. Cat. Yeah. Running around. Which they did they some very, it. very creative chase scenes without actually having the cat and mouse on screen. Oh, like with under the rug? Under stuff? the rug, in the piano. Yeah. Like, in all the cuts that they did, um, it was a really... Because I was trying to watch it, too, because they're... Like, the mouse is very real in those... Like, the mouse is an actual mouse in a lot of those chasing. So I assume the cat... Because yeah. I was watching it really closely and trying to be like, there's no way they actually have, like, a cat and mouse. Cat and... I, I know animal actors are good, but they're, they're not that good to just, like, <laughs> rewrite instincts and be like, oh, I'm going to chase this mouse, but I'm not going to kill it because I'm, <laughs> I'm acting. I'm a cat and I'm acting. I mean, let's be honest. There were probably several mice that died on this set. I'm sure it wasn't the I same. Know, it was I know, I know. I hate to think of it that way. I hate to think of it that way. It was. Now, if you were to make They went through every- like 90 mice just making sure they could outrun a nail gun. In that one <laughs> scene, what you didn't actually see were all the mice fucking pierced in that fucking that tunnel. It was actually just like a death hole. You basically sent that mouse to the Holocaust. Just full of rotting mouse bodies. <laughs> It's like, if you don't make it, squid game shit. And every mouse that goes through has to see the corpses of its deceased brothers. That's what they CGI out. They kept everything. Everything else in that scene is practical. There's just dead mouse carcasses and blood and fur everywhere that they CGI'd out. Oh, that mouse is so cute. <laughs> he was. He was. An, I was I was really happy that it, it he ended up like they didn't end up killing him, which I... I felt like you it could have gone either way in this movie. Because oh, obviously, if this had been like a cookie cutter Disney kid movie, obviously they're not going to kill the mouse. Yeah. Like, that's just not going to happen. But this movie, it, I, you know, I, I was expecting them to send it to Cuba. or <laughs> And like, <laughs> it cuts to him just like smoking a cigar on the beach. <laughs> or like, um, you know, or like launching him through like a, a firework or something and blowing him up. Like, Drawing I would have imagined something like that. Like yeah. an off screen death. But they kept him alive, and he became the little guy. 
Which I, th- this movie really has no message, but because of that ending, it has the message of finding a common ground for all interests. Because everything, everything pulls yeah. together for everybody involved. And I think that's just the little cherry on top of the mousetrap. Which is, it's something that I would like to, to kind of shed a light on. Because like, yeah, I was thinking this movie is literally about nothing, really. Yeah. The, like, the themes in it are very light about, you know, family and fraternity yeah. and lo- but it's whatever all an the fuck. It's, it's, yeah. it's just there. It's there so that there is a theme. Like, yeah. that's basically why it's there. And I, I feel like I'd always, like, especially now with new movies that come out, I always make, like, the, the frustrated comment where I'm like, this movie is not about anything. But I do want to say, it's okay for some movies not to be about anything. Yes. It's totally fine. A movie can just be for entertainment. There's just way too many movies that flirt with the line and yeah. don't, are too afraid to actually be something and instead settle on nothing. And that's when I get frustrated. This movie is here just for slapstick comedy. It's yep. here for those setups, those payoffs, the funny like imagery that you... It's you know like a live-action cartoon, essentially, yes. which especially in like the 1990s was super popular on TV. And it was kind of difficult to bring that into movies, so might yeah. as well do it. But yeah, it's totally fine to just have a movie that's literally just about two people being fucking idiots. <laughs> this this is how you do it. Adam Sandler, take notes. This is how yeah, you do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just cranking out shit for whatever reason, you know, make it make it at least a little thoughtful. This is wholesome. This is fun to watch. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can hit all those boxes, it's fine. There's really nothing going on. As long as I'm not sitting there being like... Why am I watching this? Which I was, there was a moment where I'm like, what? what is the purpose of watching this movie? And then I would laugh at some stupid fucking joke. And it's like, it's that. It's the fact that I keep, I keep <laughs> finding enjoyment, entertainment, and all of this, like, you know, <laughs> normal bullshit. But because it's doing that, it's doing something, and it's keeping my interest, and it's keeping me, like, engaged with it. And yep. also, it doesn't have the audacity to be two fucking hours long. Yep. This movie, this movie is, is our... our- Perfect it's nice one. and tight, yeah. It's it's close cut. I mean, I'm sorry if you're doing like a comedy, like especially something like this, unless it's like a, a Van Helsing where it's like a fantasy camp. Yeah. But like if it's straight comedy, there's there's almost no reason it has to hit 120 minutes. Like, nope. I can I just can think of very few times where I'm like, yes, this this should keep going. This movie is an hour 30 credits included. Yeah, like, damn. It is- and it has some long opening credits, too. It does. Yeah, it has a whole, like, James Bond number. Yeah, the main I theme. love that, too. I, I, I do have to give kudos to the credit sequence because, yeah, it starts off with them carrying their fucking dad's body in the, in the coffin. His body shoots out of the coffin into a sewer. But then they, like, rotoscope the DreamWorks title or whatever the, the title is into, the, like, the opening of the sewer. And it's, like, a shot up at the sky. And it's everybody looking down at the sewer. Um, the imagery of their dad. I, I Dude, I, I think their dad just as a character is so funny. I'm happy he wasn't in more of the movie because I, I feel like I would have just died. <laughs> like, I would have just fallen to pieces. He scared the shit out of me as a kid. I've, obviously, yeah. He's such a terrifying old man. He's so bony. I, when so I was bony. I was looking at his wrists and it's almost like his wrists are not connected to his hands. Like, they're just hanging on on dude, skin. Dude, he, he looks like... Like disabled, like that's why I felt bad. I was like, "Is this supposed? Is this an act, or am I not supposed to be laughing at this?" I love, I love how their their father is just dying on death's door, a literal skeleton, all of like seventy five pounds, and Ernie is just in the corner of the hospital reading the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't give a shit. 
I mean, we've all been there when you have an, a relative who's just been dying for so long. They've been on death's bed. Is, is that a morbid thing to say? When you have a relative that's just been there for like years. It's like we've come, we've parted ways with this yeah. a while ago. <laughs> a while oh, yeah. ago. We accepted this. When my grandfather was dying, all set up in hospice in my uh, grandparents' house, my grandma would sit there and do Sudoku and just like occasionally wipe the drool from his mouth and keep going back to her <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> yeah, like what are you what are you supposed to do? <laughs> there there was the one line at the end when they like have the heart to heart and he's talking about like how he was never able to get his dad's approval. I I wish that it would have ended when he goes He was nuts and then he, he follows it up with but I still wanted his approval. I wish they would have just cut that part out and just ended it on He was nuts. Because he <laughs> fucking was. The man <laughs> When he pulls the fucking Jake this, it's my lucky string. I've been carrying it in my pocket for 60 years. Ew! I don't want anything that's been in the pocket for 60 years. I don't want something that's been in my pocket for a day. <laughs> like, that's why he's reading the newspaper, because his dad's dying and gives him a fucking two-inch-long piece of string. <laughs> That the mouse eats at one point. The mouse eats it and poops it out. Is, does he poop it out? I thought he just took it. He had to have. They watched him eat it. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Because he eats the string on the auction podium. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I thought they cut away, though, before you see him, like, take the whole thing. I don't know. It could be. It could be up I to interpretation. Know. I wasn't paying got attention layers, enough. Uh, the, the auction scene, I was honestly was just not really engaged with that scene. The auction scene is rough. I feel like if I could change anything, as, as glorious as Nathan Lane is, that is him at his worst in this movie because he, he not even he knows what to do. I was going to say because there's like there's not much to do there. It definitely seems like I wonder if they shot that like after the fact. If they like had the big like flooding scene already done and something, and then they were yeah. like, but what else? How do we how do we wrap it up and get to that part? Let's just do this. <laughs> I, it does. It, it feels like they shot a couple different things, and they're like, "We really don't know how to make this comedic. Just have everybody go crazy, I guess." Yeah. One woman gets her hair lit on fire. Climax. <laughs> Some climax shit. <laughs> I do love how she has like a spool of string for her hair for no reason. Oh my! The string imagery is so funny. I, I love the two the two like you know corporate scumbags that come in. It's like we took two two th strings and strung them together. He's like, but that's not string, that's cord. <laughs> I forgot about the mob bosses. For the, some the, reason, yeah, like, the string mob bosses. mob bosses. He's like, no, it's all about the three ring, the three strings. <laughs> you rope them together. <laughs> <laughs> that's not string, that's cord. <laughs> I love so how Lars funny. just cares too much. Too much. He cares too much about string. He cares too much, I think, at just about everything. You just like your father. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's funny, because like if you think about it, the ending isn't really that happy, because Lars already said that he had other ambitions than string. Like what? I, I don't know. I'm asking we the same. He, he just that shit said that that's dick. what it was. He just, I'm just going off of what LJ said. All right. LJ. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if there's even a J anywhere in his name, but it's his nickname now. I don't even think they have that. No, it's Schmutz. It's yeah, Schmutz. Schmutz. Yeah, because Mr. Schmutz, you've just been hit by a bus. <laughs> I don't know why that line is so funny to me. 
It's so matter. I was like, please calm down. You've just been hit by a bus. <laughs> Not a car or a bike messenger or a I scooter. Love how it, his response is, I feel fine. <laughs> it goes away at night. <laughs> Grinding your teeth for me. Oh, it goes away at night when I take the blue one. <laughs> I love how Requiem for a Dream has become our like cipher for life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's the answer. I think to that everything. there. I think that there's something like mathematically hidden into it that equates <laughs> to the like the to universe's everything. code. It's unraveling on Requiem for a Dream. It's somewhere in that movie. I don't know where, but it's there. <laughs> It's how Pi. It's like you're living out the life of Pi, but with oh, Requiem you, for that, a Dream. That'd be the biggest Aronofsky bamboozle. You think that he hid his biggest messages in Pi, but it's actually in Mother. <laughs> I, I like Mother. Someone has to. It's only me. I saw it twice. It's in the only me. Was it's it you alone in the theater both times? Uh, w one time, and then I dragged Mike the second time. So it was me and Mike, and then just me. Poor Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was fine. I don't know. Um, anything else? I think that's that's all for me. Just uh, my jaw. I just laughed more than I should have at this movie. Did you really laugh that hard at this movie? I just think the line delivery is so funny. It's all, it, it's all, the, I can't think of a single line that Lars says, except for maybe, that's cord, but like everything that's else. That's cord, or... Ernie, that was a quarter. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's literally like me, like if I drop change in the street and someone's like, leave it. I'm like, no, it's a quarter. That's, that's part of my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> there was a quarter in there, Ernie. There was a quarter in there, Ernie. Give me my Gouda. <laughs> I, I, I do like when the the mouse eats. Uh, he eats all the gouda, and Ernie is just perplexed at why he left the rind. Like this is so strange. He ate all the things, but he didn't eat the rind. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of like care and thought they put into tracking down this mouse is absolutely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take a moment of their like? It's all—it's almost like if you were to nuke a mouse, how would you do it? You would line the floor with mouse traps, and they did that. <laughs> they lined the entire floor with mouse traps and boxed themselves in. They, they meant to go out the side door, but of course it's an old house, so it locked on themselves. So they spend all night sitting there, <laughs> and and in the morning, Lars looks at Ernie, and he just looks at him, and Ernie just goes, "I'm thinking, I'm thinking, God." <laughs> They're trying to figure out how to get out of here. One of my one of my favorite lines is Lars goes, "Wow, you're a genius!" And Ernie goes, "Yeah, I like to think with both halves of my brain." <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good fucking line, and I'm using that at some point. I like to think with both parts of it. <laughs> the I need I need another movie with these two characters. I honestly think they're very good characters. I they they should really do great. this. Would be like no, they should do like just like a mouse hunt too. Or something, but I, I like them going like deep down this like 
like caravan of trying to find the mouse and being super hyper serious about it. So I think that it should be just like basically like a true crime movie. But instead, they're just like hunting down the mouse and they're like, you know, inspecting little things and they bring Caesar back and all three of them have to go on like a cross country journey to find the mouse. Oh, what if, what if they do a visit to Caesar? He's been in an insane asylum the whole time. Oh like my gosh, like yeah, mouse trip. He's, he's on a straight jacket, so they have to go visit him. Oh my god, they have and, to like, break, break him, him out, out obviously. They gotta break <laughs> him out. They're like, there's only one person we know who knows how to think like a mouse. And like, they go and break Caesar out, and he's like scuttling around on the floor, like. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy creature. <laughs> he only eats cheese. What if mice don't uh, even like cheese? What if they're like, I'm honestly more of like a grapes and nuts kind of guy, like what the squirrels are about. Because in the morning, they need fruit for energy. <laughs> okay, do you you missed what the movie taught us. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I need to rewatch Mouse Hunt, guys. I clearly don't know how to think like a mouse. Most human like beings Kuda. are incapable, Paige. <laughs> you just must be a gifted one. <laughs> I am Caesar. <laughs> that I believe. Honestly, yeah, we like to figure out which characters we would be in movies. I am Caesar. I, I am Caesar. I take every job I do way too seriously, even if it's trash. You remember me at Bed Bath Beyond? I thought that I thought I was working for the fucking Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> she really did. She really did. Yeah, she never actually did any work, but she thought no. she, she thought that's exactly I imagine how people at the Pentagon are. They're like, <laughs> I'm not gonna do anything in here, but you better not fucking come in here and do anything either. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> I I am Caesar. I feel I know you said you're Lars with the quarter, but you are Ernie. You are Ernie fighting everyone a moron. <laughs> and you I just like to get think this- and use both halves of my brain. What can I say? <laughs> and anytime anyone says something stupid, you're like, no, you fucking idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think of the cinematography? Because one thing I do want to mention: this movie is. It has too good of cinematography to be from 1997. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, I feel like that that come. I imagine it comes along with this. Seems like it was just a giant set, yep. which like allows you to be way more creative with stuff like that because there aren't nearly as many problems that you're fixing. Yeah. So you can you know move around the house freely if you have a full house as opposed to like if your location was just an actual bedroom or something like that or the house was too narrow. Um, yeah. No, I always like it in, like, funny movies when it's got creative camera work because it's, like, it's not, like, a requirement. It's not really something I ever pay too much attention to, but it's always something that I enjoy. And I'm like, okay, so there's, like, you know, there's a little bit of artsiness here, too. It's, like, it's more than just laughing and having a good time. That's very much a Gore Verbinski thing. So a lot of Gore Verbinski's, even though his movies can be terrible, like A Cure for Wellness, uh, they're shockingly beautiful. They're yeah, I remember uh, seeing the trailers for A Cure for Wellness, and I thought it was going to be good because it looked cool. Yeah, but that's that's got, even like the first Pirates of the Caribbean has like really it looks great camera work. Yeah, um, he's definitely got he's a, he's a cinematographer director. Like even the lighting in, in this movie doesn't feel like a '90s film. It's not like that blown out, overly bright lighting that you see in which 90s I films I liked, and like we talked about how it's gloomy and like it sounds like a yeah. bad thing saying that it's gloomy, but I think it worked in this movie because it's such a contrast to everything else that you're seeing. Where it's like yes. if this had been like a a bright color vomit like Speed Racer esque movie to go along <laughs> with these like personalities, I think I would have just been sick. Like I think I would have yeah. thrown up. Yeah, <laughs> but instead, but this, no. It was it was like this. Yeah, and like 
yeah, I'm, I'm always blown away when I watch this movie. I'm like, this does not look like a 90s film. It honestly feels like maybe a late 2000s, maybe early 2010 film whenever I watch it, just because of the cinematography alone. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I would say just like the base, the general like tone of the movie just screams 90s, yeah. like in every every facet of it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it, it looked it looked nice. It was cool. Um, the sound design was also really cool on it too, because obviously they had like so yes. many special effects and so many sound effects that they had to put in, and it yes. was all like really well timed. Yes. And the the cut the cut like the edits like the the scenes that they let hang were so strangely chosen. Where I was like, it worked because I was like. It was like that tongue-in-cheek shit. Like, I just, like, did not know when I was supposed to laugh. And then there were times when it would just erupt out of me. And I had no control over it. I was like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> They're in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> you have no discernible talents. <laughs> I laugh at that. Because they're having a very serious conversation about how they're both failures. <laughs> you have no discernible talents. You have no wife, no house. <laughs> Meanwhile... What was, what was the line? He's like, he's like, they did the same thing to Aristotle. He's like, they did with the cockroach and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was Aristotle or something. It was Galileo. Some, yeah, Galileo. They, they did the, the same, same thing, thing to Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> really, with the restaurant and the cockroach and everything. Yes, Lars. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> This movie makes me smile. There's not a single time I don't put this movie on and I'm not just grinning from ear to ear. I, I liked it. Do you have any lines that you wrote down that you want to talk about? Give I think I think we, we worked them all in. We worked them all in? Because how could you not? Yeah, yeah. I guess my, I a- my, my, my favorite ones would probably be Get Me My Gouda. And <laughs> I like to think with both halves of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, li- I like I like the line delivery of um, I'm gonna blow this mouse from here to kingdom come, and how he just punches that come line while he cocks the gun so, so loud. Of course, Everything you pick the the hardest coming cocking line <laughs> to pick as your favorite. Of course, Paige, we were trying to have a nice kid friendly episode about mouse cunt, and here you Was go. It you- was it you that asked me why every single movie from my childhood is so sexually charged? Yeah, yeah. This, this movie wasn't... One. Well, I mean, I guess it was when Olga and Ingrid come in. Yeah. That's kind of the point. Yeah, that's true. But, should we go into our rating? Yeah, yeah. What would you give this movie? I give this movie... um, 70 Rhines of Gouda out of 85. I give this 80 rinds of Gouda out of 100. Out of 100. Is the is the docked point because of the auction scene? <laughs> the do- the docked point is just that. As much as I liked it, it wasn't something that like like you have like a personal connection to. Me going yeah. in as an adult and watching this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's fun. And this is, is really quotable and funny. And I'll probably put this on like in the background sometime. But Oh, really? I love it when I can add a movie to that list of yours. Yeah, yeah, that list is fun. Um... Phantom of the Opera is on that list way too often. <laughs> they took it off HBO Max, you motherfuckers. What am I supposed to spend my three hours doing? <laughs> you can watch Mouse Hunt twice. Yeah, I guess so. No, it's okay. I got a copy of Phantom of the Opera. Just in case. Just in case they are going to take it off. 
but yeah no I, I liked it um i think it was fun i just i just have a hard time putting like movies up there with the greats if it's like the first time i'm seeing it and it's just like kind of a i'm like oh, yeah sure. yeah yeah this movie is not the greats but i am happy you had such a good time yeah i would say for comedies it's pretty great pretty great yeah. comedy this, this is how you do a silly comedy right and i would say you could probably watch this with like anyone yeah, uh, don't show it uh, to your sixth grade class. You will get a call from. Uh, yeah, if, if you're if you're worried about kids knowing swear words, then don't. But that's up to you. <laughs> if you think they're ready for it, then I guess they're ready for it. <laughs> that's one mean <laughs> pussy. <laughs> Just be prepared for that other? line. Be prepared to have to explain that line. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for watching mixed reviews. You've been a lovely audience. New videos every week.